Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where Pastor Lauren Regeer opens God's Word each week to provide us with biblically-based teaching that helps you meet life head-on. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, here is Pastor Lauren Regeer. Here in Luke chapter 17, I've given you enough time to get there, and let's begin reading in verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11, it came to pass as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem. He's moving in a southerly direction from up north, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And he entered into a certain village, we're not told which one, and the border there, and there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And there it was that he uh, heard their voices, they lifted up their voices, verse 13, and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God, fell down on his face at Jesus' feet and giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. He was a Samaritan. 19, he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Read the passage, but it's good to know a little bit about the background here. Jesus is approaching the time which he would give his life on the cross lay down his life as a ransom for sin. His face was set. He was moving towards Jerusalem for the last time. The weight of the world of the sin was beginning, the sin of the world was beginning to lay hard upon his shoulders, his heart. And the plight of humanity, lost humanity, he carried. The hour was about upon him uh, to give his life a ransom for the sin of the world. You would think, and I might think too, that it would be an inconvenience, an interruption, almost uh, to stop and listen to another group of people that needed help physically. Yet God places high value on the slightest whisper from our heart to His for mercy. Did you know that? God is not hard of hearing today that He can't hear your cry for mercy. I don't know what's going on in your life, but in sincerity, if you cry out to God, God will hear you. And so he heard the cry for these. Uh, I was preaching at the rescue mission this past week, and what a blessing it is to go. If you haven't been, you ought to ask Taylor Flurry how you can jump on the van and go with him uh, once a month and uh, be a part of that. One of the things they do there is they sing a song when they take the offering. <clears throat> Some of you shaking your heads because you know the song they sing, no one sings it as well as they do. Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry, my Savior, they add that. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. And so these men cried out, call unto me, the Lord says, and I will answer thee, pass me not, O gentle Savior. And so we see that there were many in Jesus' time here as a minister 
that many cried out to him for all kinds of things. You see, Jesus came to save the lost. And you can be sure, whoever shall call, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, what? Shall be saved. In our text, it's important to note Jesus is passing through a neighborhood despised by Jews. He was moving from Galilee through Samaria to Judea through, uh, of course, the area that most people would walk around, most Jews would walk around. Why? The Samaritan was considered a half-breed, someone who was uh, uh, really tainted by uh, 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 incorporation with another breed or another race, and so they were they really would almost do anything they could to go around that region, but Jesus always went through that area to teach a lesson. And so not only did he go through that area, he met a group of men there that most people had ostracized. Most people cast them out. Didn't have anything to do with lepers, leprosy, really to the, that area, the, 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 especially the one man in that group. He had a double infection. Not only was he a Samaritan, of a mixed race. He was also uh, covered up with leprosy. And I don't know how much you know about leprosy. It's not just a skin disease. In those days, it was incurable. Today, there is a cure for leprosy. There's medicines and so forth, treatments that help cure leprosy. But in Jesus' day, it was, it was something that was incurable. In fact, I've put some of the more tame or mild, milder pictures of what leprosy can do it still does in third world countries to people who have it. It disfigures. It, it actually attacks the nervous system, the nerve endings. And just by reason of harming themselves, often parts of their fingers and toes are missing because they've damaged, they become, ulcers have kind of set in. It disfigures the face. I visited a leper colony in Brazil one time and noticed the families there that were quarantined because of the disease it's an ugly thing. And in fact, the Mosaic Code had, had set a prescription that if you had leprosy in Jesus' day, you were to become a social outcast. Really, to become a social outcast is to really receive a sentence, a life sentence of loneliness. Leviticus 13 and verse 46, God says about these folks that they are to dwell outside of the community uh, in order to stop the spread of the disease in solitary places. I don't know if you've ever been to a prison or prison ministry. I know some of you have and still go. But there is a sound. There is a sound. Um, I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've been in jail for any period of time, not as a, <laughs> a spiritual worker, a Christian worker, but as someone who's been incarcerated but there is a sound that just chills your heart when you go. You know what it is? It's the sound of metal doors locking. When they let us in, it's not just uh, through that first security system and you go through that where you're checked for any kind of weapons. You go through almost that thing like you have at the, at the airport. You get past that and, and they take your information. They vet you a little bit and then it's not just one door. There's like three or four doors before you get to your zone or area. And every time you get past one, there's the closing of that gate or door before there's the opening of the next one. And it's a sound that you just kind of never forget. 
these doors crashing together, then locking. These lepers were in really what I consider four, four levels of quarantine, so to speak. There was the separation of a disease that forced them to live in seclusion. Biblical laws forced them to live away from family and friends and to cry out, what? As they approached society, perhaps to buy the marketplace or whatever, if they were a leper, they were supposed to cover their face and cry out as they went, what? Unclean! And to ring a bell so that everyone knew they were separated by a disease. And secondly, there was the door or the gate of social exclusion. As long, as I mentioned, as long as they had the disease, they were to be excluded socially and alone in an area where there was no known cure for this at that time. In those days, no medical outreaches to them that would provide any kind of cure. Thirdly, there was the door of expulsion from spiritual truth. Did you know that a leper could not go to the temple and worship? And although there's some disagreement about how close he could get to spiritual truth, no priest, by reason of their affliction and infirmity, nobody wanted to minister. In fact, the woman at the well in Samaria said this, the priest won't come over here and we can't go to them. So even if they wanted to know more about God, they were behind a door that locked them out by reason of the infirmity of their body and the prejudice against the unhealthy. And then they were behind another gate or door. They were also bound in sin, a condition, my friends, that is universal. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So here they were, hearing that Jesus this miracle worker was nearing their area in the borderland of Samaria and Galilee. And, and what a stroke of fortune for them. They had heard that he was doing great things, doing things that no other man could ever do. And so they cried out for mercy. I want you to note some things really this morning about these men in this condition. I want you to know, first of all, a great disability does not necessarily lead to true worship. Let me say that again. There were 10 lepers, but only one, the end of this story, was truly identified as a man of faith or a true worshiper. So we must conclude that great disability doesn't necessarily lead us to true worship. It can make us more humble, certainly. The Bible says in verse 12 of Luke 17, and as he entered in a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers. What, what does the Bible say? Which stood where? They weren't in the midst of the street or perhaps milling with others. They had their, they had their place and it was afar off. They couldn't come close to the general populace because of their condition. As again, as I mentioned earlier, the Mosaic Code said, They shall dwell alone outside the camp, shall be the habitation of the lepers. They are ten afflicted by the same disability and at least found friendship or solace in their small colony of friends. But here's the point. Although they were companions in misery, 
It doesn't necessarily mean that they had a needy heart spiritually. They didn't all identify themselves as sinners in need of the grace of God. Most folks who followed Christ in those days wanted what? They wanted to be healed or they wanted some benevolence. They wanted food. Here he Here he sees a group of men and they're crying out, but he knows their hearts. It does not necessarily mean just because we in some way are identified by a a calamity or a crisis or a misery or a disability that we want God. Our dear friend here who ministers to the men who are hurting in Zambia these last few days recognized that many came, and, and why they come is they come or some sort of touch medicine, or some sort of cure for physical ailments. And it does make you humble to beg for food. But it doesn't mean if you're a beggar that you're necessarily hungry for God, does it? For seven years, Nebuchadnezzar, who had it all, went from emperor to scavenger. Remember the story? Seven years, he went from the highest official in the world, to burying his face and eating grass like an ox. Seven. Do you think after seven minutes you'd say, Lord, I think I need you? (laughs) Seven years before he came to his senses. And Naaman, we could think of that man, the Syrian who had leprosy, came to Elisha's house, hearing that maybe he had a cure for his condition, and Elisha says, go jump in the river dunk yourself seven, and he says, no way. Even in disability, our heart can be so hardened, can it? Until we see our real need for God. Secondly, I want you to notice even a great desire for relief doesn't mean we're ready for worship. A great desire for relief. We all... I think we all in this room this morning would agree we're all looking for relief from something, (laughs) right? Unless you live in a perfect house, in a perfect place, perfect marriage, perfect body, you're looking for relief from something, even if it's high taxes, right? These men knew about the popularity and power of Christ, and they had heard He had power over disease. The blind were getting their eyesight back. The deaf were hearing. The lame were walking. Even those with leprosy were being healed for the first time in, listen carefully now, in 1,500 years, there was no biblical record of a leper being healed except for Miriam and Naaman, who was an outsider. No Israelite had And there's a long prescription in Leviticus, chapters 13 and 14, about what you're supposed to do when you're healed of a skin disease. In those days, you're supposed to go see the priest, and he is supposed to look and examine you to to say, this is valid, you're you're healed, you're cleansed. But in 1500, it almost seemed as if this Mosaic prescription was a joke, because no one ever escaped from this until Jesus came. And can you imagine how many lepers were making their way to the temple 
and those in the synagogue and the temple must have been scratching their head. No man like this. And they heard about Jesus, his power, and they had a desire to be healed. That's not a wrong desire, but it doesn't necessarily mean your heart is ready to worship. So it's a little wonder when Jesus came by that they cried out in verse 13. Jesus, as loud as they could holler it, they hollered at Jesus, which means, and the next word, master, mercy upon us. The word master in the original is chief commander. They knew he had power over the waves. They had heard he had power over the diseases of men. And they cried out, chief commander, Lord, Good theology, but it doesn't mean they were ready to worship. How many of us come to God knowing who He is, wanting relief from things? Now measure for a moment, measure for a moment your prayers in the last month or so. I hope you're praying. It is not wrong to pray for things. It's not wrong to pray for your daily bread, but measure them. How many times have your prayers been about, Lord, we want relief from this or a change of circumstance or this good thing or that good thing? But we stop short in our praying of worship. You know what the saddest thing is to me about this story? You want to know? Good, because I'm going to tell you. The saddest thing is that nine men got their skin cleared up, but they didn't worship God. They missed out on knowing God. Is it not true in our praying that we can stop short of worship? I'm just raising that because this is a classic example of, of think of this, of having God come to your neighborhood, your house, your street, your door, and you coming out to the front door and saying, God, I want an apple and an orange and maybe a candy bar. That'll be enough. And not knowing all the perfections and the glories of who He is. God is in this place. God is in your heart. So when's the last time you've worshipped Him? We come to God, we want relief, but it doesn't necessarily mean we want to worship. A great disability doesn't necessarily lead us to worship. They were lepers, a great desire for relief, change of circumstance doesn't qualify us to become true worshipers. They cried out, even a great obedience. Notice as we read in our Bibles another verse or so, Jesus, Master, mercy upon us. And verse 14, and when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. 
Now, he didn't say, be healed, now then go. He looked at them and he said, all right, you ten men, I, I appreciate you know that I have the power to heal these diseases, so go, as Moses prescribed, show yourself to the priests. And none of them in this context said, but wait a minute, what about this? What about the fact that I still live? I'm disfigured. I can't see because of the disease. I'm, I, I, Lord, how, how could we go if, if, if first you don't know? These men had great faith in a sense, great trust. Their obedience proved that. Without a complaint, without an argument, they turned And I think as best as they could hobble off, they went as fast as they could in the direction of the synagogue, the nearest synagogue, or or even the temple, Jerusalem. They headed out, and the Bible says they did that. They obeyed. Great diligence or obedience doesn't define our worship You grasp the significance, it means they had a good measure of faith and obedience. To go to the priest before you are healed means or implies these men were not skeptical, agnostic. They didn't say, nice try, Lord. We think you're just trying to get rid of us. No, heal us first, then we'll go. Only in seeing we'll believe. No, these men exercised a great measure of faith, and they took off. They left, probably running as fast as they could, expecting to be healed as they went, and God did heal them. But before they were cured, they turned and obeyed. And that's a real sign, I think, of a compliant, obedient heart. You know that you parents can have an obedient, compliant child who is a rebel at heart. Does everything you say, but in their heart, they're not real worshipers of God, appreciative, thankful, or even saved. You know that? You can obey God, still be unsaved. You can. But only one, one heart that day truly worshiped. How did it happen? Well, all of them took off down the road towards the nearest priest. And I don't know if it was 10 steps, 200 steps. I don't know when the miracle occurred, but it did. And pretty soon as they're looking at their hands, fingers that were gone reappear, ulcers are healed up, and their skin is pure and clean as a little baby's. And they're walking straight and running as if there's never been a disease at all. And they begin to, I'm sure, chatter about this. I mean, this is an amazing thing. And I dare say they had a decision to make, right? At that moment, what do you do with the truth that you... So one may have said, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. He must be the Messiah. But he did tell us to go uh, to the priest. So we better do that, right? Or isn't this the greatest day ever? We get to spend tonight with our families for the first time in years for some of them. Look, this is wonderful what has happened to us. But there was in the midst, again, a Samaritan who was a double outcast who realized as he looked at his flesh and his skin and his new condition as a healed man, not only is that the Messiah, 
He deserves my utmost. The priest can wait, he said. God is here. He prioritized worship and thankfulness. I don't know what you're thinking about in terms of this week. Can we be honest? Maybe it's will Georgia win another game. Maybe it's I can't wait to get to Grandma's house and eat all that good food. Oh, yes, we will say our little prayer and thank God for family and friends and leaves that fall. We'll thank God for our country and our health, our churches. But I wonder if God, standing there, wants you to return to Him with your formerly leprous, sin-stained hand and heart and fall at His nail-pierced feet and thank Him for who He is. Not His gifts only, but the gift giver. Not just for deliverance, from four doors of seclusion and exclusion, but for the deliverance that came when you met Christ. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. How long has it been, friends, since you have thanked Him for who He is? What a change He's made. Falling down at His feet. Tears, I'm sure, rolling down his cheek. He says these things. He says, thank you, verse 10. One of them, verse 15, I'm sorry. One of them, when he saw that it was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. I mean, all the way back, he's shouting praise to God. Fell down, knowing fully that this Is not just a miracle worker, this is God giving him thanks profusely. He was a Samaritan. I've never been this close to one who could heal. I've never been this close to the truth, the way, the life. Remember what Jesus said to the woman at the well, if only you knew who I am. You would have asked for what? Living water. Here's one that got a taste of living water. He didn't want to go to the priest first. He wanted to go to God while he was still in the the area. Came running back, fell on his face, and I'm sure there was such sweet words. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for the fact that you're God. And then Jesus asked the question, were there not ten cleansed? But where are they? Where the nine? Already off to enjoy their new bodies. But there's a soul that needs to be washed and cleansed, and that soul is here at my feet. They are not found, returned to give glory to God, save this one. And he said, Arise, go thy way, thy faith, not in healing, but thy faith in me, made thee whole. One man, the double outcast, his heart became so full of gratitude and praise 
He was overwhelmed by the mercy of God. Why should I go see the priest? They don't want me there anyway. I must go, to, go tell Jesus. I must thank him and worship him. Clear skin is not why Jesus came. A worshiping heart is. I want to be near to my Lord. Foot of Christ, he pours out his thanks. Not so much in his deliverance, but his deliverer. Not so much in his gift, but in the gift giver. I want this God to be mine. What a blessing it is to know this story can point to our own hearts and our lack of worship. I marveled as I listened to the men sing at the rescue mission that song, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. And I was humbled by the fact that these men who most of them probably spent most of the week on the streets enjoying one meal in the heated building were hearing the gospel and that night two men out of that crowd raised their hand to express the fact that they had understood during the gospel message that Jesus was the Christ. And they put their faith and trust not in a meal or rescue or a warm building from outside, but they put their trust in the finished work of Christ. And they found that night, if their heart was sincere and their prayer was true, they found the Savior living water. Amen? Has that happened to you? Has that transaction occurred in your heart? Then, dear friend, you have every reason to fall at his feet. And this Thanksgiving season, thank him for his deliverance from sin. Don't let Thanksgiving go by without thanking the deliverer, the gift giver, the true gift of salvation. Let our praise arise on the wings of who He is. Put your formerly leprous hands in His nail-scarred hands and proclaim, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. You're my Savior, my Counselor, the Wonderful One, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the Sovereign Lord, the Master of the Seas, the Ancient of Days, the Gentle Shepherd coming King, the King of kings, the Lord and Lord of lords. Father, the joy it is to know that you're still in the business of saving us from our sins. That is the priority calling of your sons coming and still is today that you would change us on the inside. Lord, we're not great at worship. We would admit that. And this morning with our heads bowed just before we... Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Pastor Lauren Regeer at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you.